0: bandwidth for the weird things podcast provided by wired tree for sites of any size and world class customer service head on over to wiredtree.com
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the weird things podcast i'm your host andrew main Joined by Justin Robert Young's good friend, Brian Brushwood. Hey, man, what's going on? I'm just a guy
2: holding up. Uh, see, now we've figured out our uh, threat deterrent is to constantly hold up a glass as if at any moment we might take a sip. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, you almost got me by saying Justin Robert Young. And Justin Robert Young.
1: That was a big sip, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's well nothing done. In here.
1: for the audio listeners it's the game is i wait to see who's about to drink and then i call their name (laughs) well done man Uh, dude this has been an amazing week um I saw I saw some news
2: about superconductors. Did you Did you see this? Like uh, like uh, lower temperature superconductors, uh, like pseudo gap technology. I, I didn't really read like the article. High, you
1: mean like higher temperature. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I'm sorry. I said I said lower or closer to room temperature is what I mean. Wow. <laughs>
1: yeah. Idiot. No, I didn't hear about this.
2: Yeah, um, I, I couldn't. Like I literally read half of the article. It was a Reddit post. And a
1: weird things fashion totally totally in line with how we do things well,
2: here. Oh here's what happens is like there's like a there's a there's a meter when I'm reading something and when it starts off I'm in Justin and then I accelerate past Justin and I get to Brian and I'm like oh this is technical I get it and then it gets to like Andrew and then I stopped paying attention. I'm like, eh. Andrew will explain all this to me later.
1: No, I'm I'm like half the stuff we talk about here, Ryan. I read the first paragraph, and then as we're talking about it, I'm reading the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, interesting. You know? Oh, it's from the Onion. Oh, I'm sorry, I lied to you all.
2: Well, we'll we'll have to read more uh, more kind of analysis, uh, every man analysis, so that we can visit it back later on. But uh, but apparently, exciting things are happening
1: in recent. Very cool. Like yeah, the, they were going to do the SpaceX launch for the Dragon to the ISS and try to land it on the barge uh, on. Thursday or Friday, and then that got postponed till January sixth.
2: Now, so, am I remembering right that you were actually going to be there for that launch?
1: Yes, Brian, I was going to be there for that launch. Yeah, you say then, you
2: say was like like now you're not going to be there.
1: Well, I I don't know I don't I don't know if I'll be able to make it to the next scheduled date. I will be watching it. On, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he had two opportunities.
0: First, it was going to be right after the, the 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 last launch that he was down there and we did our live coverage for, and that got moved back because. He had a little
2: moonlight rendezvous. I mean, that—that's uh, that, that, the thing, right? Is I can only think when I think of reasons that Andrew could not make a SpaceX launch. I just gotta ask: like, is, is
1: she cute?
0: I no. Mean, what
2: happened was they postponed it.
0: Yeah, no, no, it went back a and week. They
1: postponed it again, so I wasn't gonna be able to go either time. Mm, so, they, but but like, we, she's cute. She's really Falcon cute, Nine right? is a beauty, Brian. <laughs> Falcon Nine is a beauty. So man,
2: all right, look. Uh, I feel, like, so, I feel like we need to speak about the elephant
1: in the room, man. Yeah. I didn't think you could see him from no, we, here. we, we got amazed. budgetary
2: issues that we have to resolve. We're running a professional operation now on the Weird Things podcast. We're, t- we're accepting donor money via Patreon. We can't uh, goof around. Are we spending so, $1,500 uh, or not? Real, real, real quick side note on
0: that. Um, notice to everybody listening, we are now going to start actually charging you. Because we have not been charging anybody because nobody... We we set up a Patreon and And then the three of us as geniuses (laughs) didn't actually determine who was going to list things on Patreon. So we've been talking about this Patreon and no one has gotten charged at all for the like two months we've had it up.
2: it's amazing so for those of you guys who lined up uh the 356 of you have lined up literally with fit money in your fists ready to give it to us um we're finally gonna get around to accepting that money <laughs> yeah
0: so uh
1: just be ready <laughs> now the weird things list the weird list that you signed up for that has been going out to people on there and if you haven't been getting the weird list and you signed up for that we'll do another check to see to make sure that you're getting updated on that. So the, the, there have been plenty of weird stuff. This week we've talked about uh, millions of mummies found in Egypt, which is a lot of mummies. Today we sent out a thing about uh, monkeys, deciphering monkeys' languages. One of their popular words is crack. <laughs>
2: yes, that's right, uh, which means different things to different groups of monkeys, right? Yeah, yeah. It either means the- eagle or just something in the sky.
1: I know, I'm going to use that all the time Which, now. By
2: the way, like actual monkey language, I did not. Like, we'll get to this. We'll get to this. Elephant in the room, take it away. Yeah, just so you know, all, 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 the,
0: all, all the good parts of being a patron have all been going to you, up to and including this show. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's going to be happening. But the and part also, where we like remember to, to charge you. Weird Things show, the position is officially being hired for. So <laughs> send your applications to JustinRobertYoung at gmail.com. Use Weird Things in the subject line. But beyond that, we have money now, and we went out and shot our big, fat mouths off and said that we were going to launch an expedition. And, Andrew, you were the man, the liaison between us and the people that were going to make this happen. Status report.
1: Well, I reached out to the Open ROV people, and, uh, you know, the Internet gets weird and stuff, and I don't know if I dropped the ball or not. Wait,
3: wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, Andrew, we, we got back to you.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Who this.
3: is this? I, I, Hold on. So I've been on Twitter now, and I've seen all of these all of these tweets saying that that OpenROV that we don't respond to emails, but we I, I got back to you. <laughs> this is kind of awkward. What, guys. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. Wow, that is OpenROV.
2: Very quickly, it's almost. A, oh my god! It's uh, <laughs> holy crap! It's, is this David it's with the... OpenROV? That's right. With an OpenROV. Oh! An OpenROV. Oh. oh! We continue our trend of doing nothing but just loudly uh, saying what we wish to have happen and then it actually coming true.
4: <laughs> no, so, but that was. Um... This, is,
1: this is the head of OpenROV. Uh, David, if you go to openrov.com, you can find out more, which we've been talking about. And uh, very, very quickly after I wind, and they were already, you know, again, the guys building fleets of robots, sending them around the world. And then, you know, some guy says, oh, we want to find Bigfoot.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, maybe Bigfoot
1: lives underwater we're the weird things podcast uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> nope not underwater <laughs> so what we want to do is we want to find out OpenROV is an amazing it's an amazing project but the story of how this began is really really cool so we have David here to tell us about this. so David what made you decide to make a kickass underwater robot to explore the, the Poseidon's domain <laughs>
3: That's a good question. So, I you know, I can't take too much credit for it. I have to be honest. My the real the real genius behind this is my friend Eric, who's unfortunately couldn't make it, but he's uh it, I met Eric about exactly 4 years ago to this weekend, and a mutual friend introduced us and said, "You should meet this meet this guy. He's building a submarine in his garage." And I thought, <laughs> "That sounds really really interesting." And so I went and met with Eric, and as soon as I met him, he told me this story of this underwater cave in Northern California, and uh, that's a photo of Eric on the on the screen now. But he had this whole story of, and it was a bit, he had these characters and this and all this animation worked out, and was telling me that there was this uh, gold rush robbery uh, a couple hundred years ago, and that there was they threw the bounty, which was supposedly a hundred pounds of gold into this cave called the Hall City Cave, and he showed me online all of these treasure hunters who'd gone to try to get to the bottom of this cave, but it wasn't safe and no one could pull it off, and he even showed me this magazine. This is true treasure, Oh, my from God. From 1972, if you can see that.
2: 60 cents, August 1972. And if you're an audio listener, it feels like one of those uh, a true manly tales-looking things. Like, I, 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 I haven't seen the full cover, but I imagine I it's like piranhas without my yeah, shirt Yeah, it's, it's, it's a dude in shorts wrestling a bear, I assume. Right, or or old a prospector.
3: <laughs> but, I mean, it's full of really crazy stories. And in this one is the story of the Hall City Cave. And... At the same meeting, he came and he showed me this uh, prototype he had of this underwater robot. And the one he had didn't work, um, but he told me he was going to build another one. And I was just hooked. I thought, you know, at the time I had a job and I was working in an office and just typing a lot of emails and that was my whole gig. And I said, this is something I need to be involved with this. And I'm not a scientist or an engineer. um, And we didn't have a robot that works. So what we did was we decided to make a website called OpenROV, and we just started telling everyone we were building an open source underwater robot. And we posted our initial designs up there and just invited people to give us feedback. And you know, for the first four or five months, it was just Eric and I on the forums, just me asking him questions about buoyancy and, and really basic engineering stuff. And just over time, we just got more and more people who kind of chipped in. I think they initially, they just felt bad for us and started giving us advice. Um,
1: so let me, uh, you guys, you're not national oceanographic Institute. You're not in this, you're not woods hole. You're two guys who are like, this would be cool.
3: No, no. Whatever, whatever the opposite of woods hole is, that's us. I mean, Eric's an engineer, <laughs> Eric's an engineer. He, uh, but you know, when I met him, we didn't have, neither of us had any money. Um, so that job that I had, the startup ended up going out of, out of business, and Eric was at, was interning at NASA, but then he you know he was also a, a grad student. So at the time we didn't have any money. I mean we had like we were trying to buy parts. We would be stressing out over buying twenty dollars parts, um, and we were building this in a garage down in Cupertino. And but we, nothing you know, good's ever getting... come out of
1: a garage in Cupertino, by the way. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, the interesting thing is Eric's roommates were – this is a whole other story, but Eric's roommates actually um, were building satellites, low-cost satellites, and they've since launched about 71 of these small – uh, microsatellites. It's, it's, and now it's a big company called Planet Labs, and they're Im- getting an image of the Earth every single day of every location. So anyways, it's so, long
2: well, no, no. For- but, but it's funny you mentioned that because I'm, I'm going to jump ahead to one of my questions coming up. Like, like Obviously, you guys essentially uh, basically loudly asked a question, hey, internet, is exploring undersea stuff something you're interested in? And the whole world was yes. Do you, What is it do you think that was just right about this idea? Because it, it, my suspicion is that uh, that that undersea or underwater exploration is the perfect blend of the maximum amount of mystery accessible for the cheapest amount of propellers uh, and and the easiest amount to assemble this stuff. Like like I mean I mean do you feel like you're just in the right place at the right time because there's there's this exploration gene in all of us that we all want to do and now any of us could do it. You guys are democratizing uh, exploration basically.
3: Oh. No doubt about it. We came along at the right time. I mean, our timing was really perfect. So when we started prototyping this robot, um, we didn't have any of the internals worked out, like any of the electronics. Um, and this, we started this a few months before the first BeagleBone miniature Linux computer came out, and a few, and right before the the Raspberry Pi was announced. Oh wow! So, all of a sudden, I mean, it, Arduino had been around, so there were low-cost microcontrollers, but there weren't these miniature Linux computers, and that really is what allowed us to actually start doing this. So by the time that those came out, we had this shell and this idea and this, this small but growing community of people
1: who were actually working on this. We'll put so, a mouse so just, in there and let him control the joysticks.
0: <laughs> so, all right, so, so you guys have this, this website and this message board. You are... Uh, putting out your designs and they are at your uh, admittance incomplete, right? Yeah. What's the first moment where you guys saw somebody either get excited about it or wanted to build it or showed pictures where you guys felt kind of lift off on this idea that now it's not just two people asking. Now it's a conversation between you and people who are really into it.
3: Sure. That's a good question. Um, You know, I feel bad because Eric's not here and Eric the way he tells this this gold story is amazing. I mean, yeah, it, it just captivated so many people. So by by the time when we were doing this, when we were prototyping it,
1: nobody cared about the robot. Everybody wanted to know if there was
3: gold in the bottom of that. They tank. want to know where
1: the gold's at. We're, we're getting they to that. We noticed that your no. camera's only aimed at a small part <laughs> of where you're at. Yeah.
3: No, exactly. So you know, you know, as much as our, we we talk about this underwater robot, and as much as we are about. Um, you know, really, you know, using these low cost tools the the other half of our story has always been about the adventure and the exploration and bringing people along for that ride. And so, you know, we got a a friend, I was introduced to this journalist who was kind of in between gigs and told him about our story and he was interested in ocean issues. So he started tagging along and checking in with us every month or so and saying, well, how's the robot coming, all these things. And finally it was good enough that we were actually going to go to this underwater cave. And he pitched the story to the New York times, uh, just saying, you know, these, these wacky kids in California are just, I don't, I don't know what this means, but it's, you know, they're, they're doing something. And the, so it got in the New York times and then and that's when it just was, uh, just a snowball because we started getting emails from people all over the world who said, well, I would use an underwater robot for this, or, you know, like all these people, there were thousands of these cave stories, you know, everyone, like people had seen sturgeon doing weird things in the the river in Portland. And like, just it, the like, list goes on and on. I mean, we, now we've become a magnet for people's, uh, you know, Weird stories, for sure. Well,
2: it's it's like, you know, we, we've over the last 15, 20 years seen the democratization of of, of producers, of content creators, of, you know, of, of all these things. Now, you know, the democratization of being an explorer. Are you kidding me? Like the moment we I, I looked at uh, OpenROV, I immediately thought uh, here in Austin, Lake Travis. Has allegedly, I've never seen it, but uh, but I, I took uh, scuba diving lessons out there, and I remember hearing that there's an underwater cave that has a buildup of gases. The gases are poisonous inside, but if you find the cave, you can swim up there. You can uh, you can breathe in, you know, normal air. Take out the the thing, have a conversation, and then just don't breathe any of the poison gases in there, and then you can float away and go go off. It's like I, there's something. Amazing and mysterious about your underground forests, your sea monsters, your, your lost gold and all that stuff that is gotta, super attractive.
1: I got to know. So did you or Eric – have you ever seen Treasure of the Sierra Madre? No. Okay. Well, there's an important part of any treasure hunt, and that is you've got to have your prospector dance. I'm sending Brian the YouTube link, and I want oh. to know if you've got, did you have that worked out before you went right. to go look for this? And, and we'll give you an example of what a Prospector dance looks like.
2: All right, here we go. I'm going to I'm gonna, uh, uh, prepare to download the Prospector dance in three, two, one, and...
4: Ha, <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. You don't even see the You're on with your own feet. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: that's pretty good it's pretty
3: important the
1: the Uh, most classic treasure hunting story of all time and i think we should make that for any future exploration to have a specific dance in mind to do should you find said
3: i i think so I, i i agree with that i like that you know you know what's interesting and i and i've been telling people this i've been trying to explain this to to some folks is uh, this is the, the, having an underwater robot and going and doing something like this. Like, so for instance, last weekend we were out on the San Francisco Bay. We had our, uh, we were out looking for the wreck of the, the ferry center fell. So we've been at the, you know, we've been doing a lot of research on the history of this wreck of the San Francisco know, As, as Bay. one
2: does, you know, it's, it was typical Thursday. Am I right, boys? Looking yeah. for the lost I was wreck in San Francisco
1: the- Bay Friday night, um stuffing my face full of a Muir Woods at Ghirardelli uh black cherry ice cream kind of the same thing
3: <laughs> you know i mean it, it, the thing it's hard to explain because we what the way i've been explaining this kind of this telerobotic exploration stuff is that it's a new experience i mean it, it's one of those things where people are like oh so it's like a webcam and it kind of is but it's also like you're in control so you actually become engaged with this and i've and i've talked to professional rov pilots before and you kind of it, you feel like you embody this uh, this this robot, and you and you. So I wrote this this piece about it called "When Bad Things Happen to Good Robots" about kind of this attachment we have to these telerobotic exploration vehicles. And you know the the prospector dance is funny because you know we're grown men and we're like around the computer looking at this, and we don't know you know we're, it's like a fish or something like that, and everyone goes. Ah!
2: You know, it, well, it, and it's, it's and so everybody exciting. feels like an ownership of this presence here. Like, like it is like every individual person feels like in some way
1: they are connected to this 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 appendage. And let's let let's give people an idea of what this is. So you're on a boat on a mm-hmm. raft. You've got a controller in front of you. What do you have? Let's, let's explain what this thing does.
3: Okay, so the the underwater robot I've got one right here is so basically it's a camera. It's a uh, a webcam kind of. Thing. It's got lights and lasers, and then it drives lasers. down, and it, this it's got thrusters in the back, so the, these little propellers, so that helps it go forward and backwards and up and down and around, and it sends live video up this really thin, twisted pair tether, and um, so you're around. You just pull up a browser, and you basically, you're logging into the, the ROV, so you're, you're controlling the ROV from
1: Chrome or something like that, so,
2: and so- Go ahead. Wait, 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 just Chrome? I'm picturing like I, I was assuming like you know proprietary software. This that yeah, or yeah, Chrome's
1: later. a special name, right, for some <laughs> advanced, sophisticated system you have there. Like it can't really be that easy.
3: Is. <laughs> well, I mean, all the software is on the on the ROV. I mean, this is what you know. We're talking about how the technology has changed. Is it's just you know it's gotten smaller and faster, and and all of a sudden you can put uh, basically a cell phone with all the sensors on board into you make it uh, waterproof and pressurized and and then you give it a
2: couple of propellers and, and you've got a, a mini sub. So for those who don't know, I, 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 again, I'm on the periphery. I'm dumber than you in every possible way. Uh, like the tether thing seems, um, uh, when, I, when I first saw there's a tether, I'm like, ah well, that seems antiquated. Why can't it just do Bluetooth? But it turns out, I guess, uh, uh, wireless radio signals, not so good through water. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And
3: and so our goal you know a lot of people are say, "Oh, this is an underwater drone, and we get thrown in that that category a lot, which is fine um but our goal is really to build it's not to ha- so there are there's a lot of potential for autonomy, autonomy and and making these autonomous vehicles, but our goal is really we're excited about the telerobot Right. It's, you know we're excited about using these there. tools to take us. To other places nor- that we wouldn't
1: normally be able to go. So we uh, saw that the like in the video, like you have like with the Oculus Rift hooked up. Yeah. So I have like version two. Would I be able to like hook this thing up and like experience <laughs> like I'm there underwater, holding my breath like David Blaine forever? Stay, stay classy, uh, Andrew. You could do this.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the, the there's a uh, a guy in Norway who's developed a plugin so you can use the um, Oculus Rift. But, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of plans around that. I can't talk about those too much yet. But um, we, I, I think that's the other thing that kind of came up in this, in this piece, this when bad things happen to good robots, is that we, it, we're at the very beginning of all of this. Like, we, you know, I think we're at this point where there's going to be an Oculus moment for telerobotics, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be really cool to have robots go all over the place that we couldn't normally go and be able to
1: experience that. Well, you, you know, I think what years. you guys have done – because like this came about because we were talking about uh, the state of ocean exploration on a podcast. And and I was aware in the periphery of really cool things being done with robotics and semi-autonomous or autonomous robotics. Because the beautiful thing is, is that you can kind of put something out at sea and let it float, like flotsam – or maybe it's jetsam. I'm not sure which one. And let it drift or whatever and get data. And then you can have – like I had that build-your-own-underwater-robotics book that you know, we talked about. I had that thing, and I tried early on for a Weird Things project to get something going, but it was just, I didn't have the technical skills to make something like that work. And But now we're at this interesting state where uh, you, guys, you guys are really, like, I think like, that's a good example you know, with what you've done is to say, hey, the technology's there. We put it together just like with Oculus. Like, hey, screens are good enough. Motion tracking's good enough. We can use off the shelf, and it doesn't have to be a bajillion dollars.
3: Oh yeah, no doubt about it. And and I think what you're talking about is you couldn't get the whole thing together. I think there's a lot of people in our community. So we that's that's really been the beauty of this is we've gotten, you know, electrical engineers who don't know anything about mechanical engineering. And we've what? got and we've got software engineers who really wanted one of these things, but they don't know about electronics. Mm-hmm. And so we've had we've been able to kind of attract all of these different skills and but it's really the same the same spirit, you know. Everybody has the, this. Everybody thinks, "Wow, this thing's gonna—it's cool." Let's let's yeah, make a yeah. really good underwater robot for I'm, that's really in a, inexpensive. I'm
2: going to propose a thing, a thing, that, thing that, that, for all that I know, I'll find out immediately it already exists. But do you foresee a world in which, like nowadays, you could kind of virtually travel to Times Square by just you know Googling uh, Times Square Times Square webcam and if nobody's going to go to time
1: scare which is a fun attraction.
2: <laughs> time scare is uh, uh, terrifying. Uh, but, but, the, but but like you can take control of a webcam and scroll up down left right. You could be in charge of this thing at any given time. Like uh is is this something you 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 picture as um and again I don't know what the benefit would be, but but is this something that Open ROV could do is be a permanently tethered public resource to to guide in an area. Oh, you're making a face. So apparently it's crazy talk. Definitely. Oh, that's, that's, you wait. Know, that's yes.
3: Yes. Good. Okay. <laughs> so, So, you know, when Eric and I first met the, four years ago, we, you know, we sat there for several hours just talking about this, this cave and this robot. And the, the conversation was, you know, what if – there were thousands of these robots all over the world, and you could just go on your computer and log in and explore. With yes, you you you
2: you could go tour an underwater forest, like a like a. From what I understand. Uh, one of the uh, uh, like when a dam rises, there's entire forests that are just underwater uh, wood and the woods perfectly good. There was a Wired article talking about how somebody developed a ROV vehicle whose job was to go down and to cut you know, down yeah. these forests that are underwater because there was valuable wood at all these places like to go explore these places and to do uh, for anyone to be able to do it to me would be super exciting
3: yeah no doubt about it so so I got a bunch of things to say about that. first of all, those ROVs that cut uh, under that do underwater logging are nuts yeah those insane machines. The second thing about that is we uh, about a month and a half ago we were we rented a u-haul and drove up to lake Shasta and there's a so Lake Shasta is a lake because they put a dam up and then you know they they, what they did was they flooded like towns in this whole area and created this lake and so we wanted to go and find these these lost towns like so there's these sunken towns there's one called Kennett, California, and so we went down looking for this um, sunken town basically because the the water levels were low, and we thought we could find one with the rov uh, we didn't find the town, but we found these old forests basically there were like you know we were driving the rov through this it, it was it was so eerie, it was like a ghost village I mean, this, or I mean, a ghost this, forest
2: th- th- this it's, is amazing to me because this is the kind of thing that somebody who's 23 years old and on no budget could assemble an amazing science fiction movie about the exploration of a lost ghost town underneath the ocean or some stuff and and could just you know I, mean, I say rent but i mean like like just just collect this footage themselves exactly like this this is amazing yeah exactly and so you know kind of talk
3: along those lines We've learned a lot. So, like, our goal has always been yeah, let's just log on and control these underwater robots. But we, the I, so earlier I said half of the story has been about the robot, and the other half has been about this kind of bigger idea about adventure. And I think that is as valuable as uh, kind of something that we've learned as all the technical stuff that goes into the robot. And so, we, what we did uh, several months ago was create this site called Open Explorer. And, uh, what that is, is basically we wanted to create this platform where everybody could have their own cave story. So for example, three months ago, not three months. So we started three months ago, uh, two and a half weeks ago, Eric, if you click towards the San Francisco Bay, yep. Yep. um, If, so the, uh, Eric had this idea, if you scroll down to the San Francisco Bay, I want to show you one. There we go.
1: Texas. Oh, you can
3: click on that one too. Actually. Okay, whatever one. <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. Guide, cool. guide me. Click on the sixth one. Yep. And then go towards Alcatraz. Sure. So, this is that was us in the. You can click on that, the, the link right there. Got and it. And so, that was um, the search for the steamer San Rafael. So, Eric had this idea. He said, All right, let's, I want to find this San Rafael. I think it's somewhere. I've, he had a few ideas. And if you go to read background there, he posted everything he knew about it. Oh, wow. And then if you scroll down in the comments, we had all these people who are kind of in our community who said, hey, I have better bathymet- bath- bathymetric data for that area. Uh, another guy said, hey, I have a boat. Let's go out on the water. And so all of this whole conversation just came about. And then, you know, a week and a half later, we were out on a boat and we had some sites that we wanted to – another another guy had a, a, a side scan sonar. And so this whole adventure came about, you know, kind of really collaboratively on the internet, really quickly. And so – this is, this is something we're, we're focused on now is, is providing this platform. I've been calling it connected exploration. I don't have a better term for it. Like a lot of people say citizen science. I don't like that term I hate that um, because to me it's not science. It's a very feral, feral thing, and it's, it's just really curiosity. And so that's what we're doing with Open Explorer. Is we've got all these people doing amazing things. I and think
2: I think this is the moment because we stumbled across Open Explorer a few weeks ago, and I think this is the moment that I realized that you guys really were onto something because we, we as human beings. Don't respond to technology. We respond to stories. And for you to create this Wikipedia, this marketplace of ideas where there's stories, whether it's, you know, as we've talked about before, whether it's lost gold or, or a sunken ship or, uh, you know, ghost Sasquatch underwater or whatever uh, that, that people can pursue, I think is, is so smart. And I'm so excited to watch it
1: unveil. Yeah.
3: I mean, we are, too. I mean, we we feel like this is like it's not something we've done. We feel like it we, we kind of backed accidentally into this future that was really cool, and we wanted just to invite other people to be a part of it and so if we now we feel like it's like this bonfire that 's burning and we we're just keeping we're just throwing fuel and logs on the fire because it's something that it's you're, you're right i mean it's not you don't have to explain it too much it's just cool uh-huh. and it's i I think people are so sick and tired of just buying things or just consuming things and they're ready to actually be engaged with with stuff at You know, you said it earlier, you know, we saw what happened with media, with movies and TV and like what you guys are doing with radio and podcasting. And then the same thing happened with manufacturing. That's why we're able to make the robots. But now that's this whole process of of the long tail is is affecting science and discovery. And I think it's going to be really weird. And I'm excited for it.
0: So you have you have Open Explorer anybody can list their expeditions and, and there is a connected community of people that, uh, especially for you guys, came together very, very quick to help on the one that you guys just did. Is there a something that's popped up there that you guys just see through the meta feed or, or just catch uh, wind of the excitement from it that just blew your mind and expanded what you thought this uh, technology could be used for?
2: Um. Y- yes, and... And by, and by the way, I'm assuming that you have to be constantly full of holy crap, it's all happening moments. Like, like is, is there one of those in this storytelling empire that, 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 that pops out
1: particularly for you, you? While we give you a moment to ponder that, everybody listening, go to openexplorer.com, sign up. Sign up for this. You don't have to have an exploration that you would mind necessarily want to do, but you can find out what's going on, and you can go and check. Maybe there's something around you. Maybe somebody's doing something twenty miles away, and you can go participate and offer to help out. Go create an account there to follow what they're doing, get the updates, participate in this thing because that's what this is about. You know, we've got over fifteen thousand listeners now, and I think that if, you know everybody who's curious about this show would love to find out what's going on about this program. So. You don't have to have any knowledge. You don't have to have an idea of something you want to explore. Maybe you want to be a part of it. Maybe you want to help out. And as David talked about, like, just how cool that is. You don't know. What's going to be – what are you going to find? And they end up finding woods. You end up finding stuff like that. You're going to meet – like, I've talked before about the awesome time I had at the NASA Social. And that was from hanging out with this other people that loved rockets, you know, I could tell you which is the top and which is the bottom of a rocket. That's about it. And that was probably the same thing for most of the people around me. But we thoroughly, thoroughly loved being around there and seeing what's going on. So please, please, please sign up for this.
3: Yeah, thank, thank that was an amazing pitch. I really appreciate that. But, you know, it's one of those things where you, the more people that get involved, the more interesting it is. And, and I did I, when we created this, I was really, really specific in wanting to leave it open-ended. And so if you go like, to how it works, people are like, so is this just for underwater robots? And I said, not at all. I mean, this is something where any type of question where you're getting out in the world and, and exploring is, is valid. Because I really want to see – we wanted to leave it open-ended where, where people's questions could,
1: um, could emerge. And I, that hasn't disappointed so far. And what you can do, like like Kickstarter things, like you go on here and like I just zoomed into where I live in L.A., and I see there's about five different explorations going on around me, and then I can say follow those. Give me updates. So every time somebody who's pulling off one of these things has an update about the progress or something, I get to find out what they're up to. And Brian's launching one for Austin, Texas. I am uh, right
2: now actually. I'm I'm, I'm pointing to uh, where in Lake Travis I heard it was. This is this is the location I got my open water certification right around here. And I was told I'm, I'm not going to accept contributions, but I am going to announce my intention to uh, get to the bottom of this thing. Uh, how, how do I place my markdown?
3: So you, so you want to create a background post is the next thing you want to do. Uh,
2: create a background what?
3: Scroll down a little bit right oh, there. Oh Right Wait, here. Yep, yep, yep.
2: the link below the red block. Create a background though. post. Got it. Oh, shoot. I got to type all this. Keep going, gentlemen. So it's um, – you
3: know the we i thought long and hard about how to do this and and one so i i thought mostly i thought back to our cave story and i realized that you don't have to have everything figured out when you start <laughs> because i think that's the thing that a lot of people think is that everything has to be figured out you know because you know our idea of exploration in now is we see these video you know we see documentaries where you know James Cameron went to the bottom of the ocean and there's this whole story arc and it's it's presented to us in a way that is very complete but the way that curiosity works is at the beginning it's very uncertain and you don't know what's going to happen and so what we wanted to do was make it really easy to start and so that and the whole thing it will just kind of follow you on this this journey of Journey of discovery, really, of of getting to the bottom of that question. You fi- maybe you find out it's not that interesting of a question, or you find something that that is that is even more interesting. That so, I that's the way we've we've created is is just get started. And for Eric and us, that was for Eric and I, that was just telling this cave story, and then from there we were able to find all of these people who were able to help us do it.
0: Uh, now, it, what I love. Uh, About this is, you know, and and why I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to put it up on the site for everybody to to go ahead and just get involved in this in general, is that you don't need to be anything other than somebody excited about it. Right. You know, if if you have some extra, you know, uh, life preservers and you want to bring chicken sandwiches to the to the expedition, I think that everyone will appreciate an extra pair of hands. And, uh, you know, to the, 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 the bolster everybody going and, and finding it. You know, this is you, this is a, such a great gathering place.
1: You can you can follow things that have nothing to do with where you are, but you're curious about a part of the world and something interesting doing. There's some of the projects, too. You can help donate to to help them get a little bit going. And 10 bucks or 20 bucks on one of these expeditions can make a big difference between ex- buying an extra battery or, or subway sandwiches. So people are happy to be there, whatever. So yeah. it's just a great way to participate. So uh, you've, you guys have created just a wonderful, wonderful model that is just going to, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to see in, in the not too but not too soon future people on Mars, you know, doing like like how Kickstarters revolutionize the way that you get things done. And mostly for better, there's still kinks to work out and Patreons affected podcasting. What you guys have done here for just opening up the idea of just how to be curious and be part of something is fantastic. So we applaud you, sir. Yeah. Thanks
3: for being a part of. It. I mean, it's really not. It's not us. I mean, it's really. It's a. It's a thing that we're all doing. Just like Kickstarter and Patreon. I mean, if we don't all agree to to buying into these systems, they just don't work.
1: Yeah, and somebody I, had think, to it out. I um, think we I'll... need
3: we need more of that because if we if we create an uh, an economy and a culture that. If we keep going on this path, then I just can't imagine telling my kids that they have to be a part-time chauffeur or house cleaner, and those are the only jobs that they can have. Like I think we need more of this stuff to support people doing, doing things in regards to creativity and curiosity.
1: Yep. underwater robot driver. What that's
2: that's definitely something that we've talked about on the show. It's like uh, you know you know nowadays. Um, uh, Ten years ago, there was talk about the rise of the middle class rock star. Nowadays, there's the rise of the middle class uh, patron, you know, uh, of the arts. And uh, finally, you know, you guys are bringing about the rise of the middle class explorer, right? Like like what was originally the realm of millionaire playboys, uh, and and James Cameron uh, is now of something that
1: that anybody with, with a few extra bucks can make happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to acquire one of these from you and we are going to make it available to our weird things listeners that have a really good idea. And what we want them to do is start. If you have a proposal for something you want to do, go to OpenExplorer.com, sign up, do that. Uh, If you do that and, and, you know, be semi-serious. I mean, if there's something crazy and weird that you want to go like, oh, we think there's a goblin our lake and people believe it, we're fine with that. Just don't. Make up something yeah. that you want right, to do because right. yeah, we'll have to yeah, sort yeah, through. If them. you
0: want to make it weird, you got to source it, right? Like we do. We need. We need. If, if you think that there is something bizarre at the bottom of a lake, at least send us, you know, a, 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 a blog, uh, you know, some sort of newspaper description of of what is down there. Now it might be really old, like the New York Times when they were writing about sea monsters off the coast of Manhattan. But just do your due diligence, and I guess that's going to be our first line. Of are you down enough for us to send you this open ROV? It's just I mean, I, yeah, that's
2: that's the thing. It's like is like we want you to contribute to the storytelling mysteries in the in the sub uh, subaqueous world, not uh, just contribute spam and noise, please.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Th- that being said. If it's we think there was a plane, you know, a bomber that sank there, a UFO or something, that's fine. We're cool with that. You just got to have some sort of legitimate reason why you think it do not. Don't don't just make it up because that's easy. We want real things because there are enough weird stuff. Justin and I grew up in South Florida. There's a lake where there's tons of dead bodies that used to be like an Indian burial ground that like keep rising into the surface that we wanted to explore. That's awesome. That's great. Weird is good. Just make sure that it's some basis. Can you imagine
2: like, like checking out like a rock quarry, something where it's like, you know, it's a highly body full place, you know, it's like, that would
0: be
3: amazing.
2: Uh, All right,
0: David, listen, I
3: want to paste, or I just want to do one kind of plug is we've had, so we've just been at the Marine historical society, learning all about the wreck of the San Rafael. Don't just look on the internet, like go to like local uh, historical societies and, Things like that because they are a treasure trove of information and a lot of times, some of the older stuff, uh, and the best stuff is not online yet. And that's what we really love to see are you know some of these stories that just aren't online. Dude, you know, dude nobody's talking about you it. You
2: are 100% right because right now we're in this very incestuous uh, virtual cycle where it's like somebody blogs about it. So it shows up on Reddit that links back to the yeah. blog and everything just goes in a circle and there's only – 200 stories on the whole internet whereas like uh you know everything we do on scam school this other show that i do is like uh the best resource we've found have been like magic tricks written in 1906 like like just the oldest oldest crap that we could be like ah it's a great idea and, and and make it new uh definitely agreed with you that.
1: know local like local historical societies places like that there are people that collect all this stuff and it not 90 percent of this ain't online yeah, and and we we live in this world with so much online. We think it's all there, and it ain't.
3: And going and talking to those people is—it's a trip. It's something that you know it, you realize that there's so much history that we that we just aren't digging into. And and so I, I think that's a really good a good place to to start.
1: So but- go to OpenExplorer.com, cr- create an account, look for stuff around you, follow if you want. Brian's going to create something for his Austin Expedition. We'll all follow that. As you guys create expeditions, you don't have to come with something right away, but please sign up for Open Explorer. And then as you create stuff, tell us about it. We'll take the ones we think are really cool and interesting. We'll put them on to – we'll mention them here. And then as this was suggested by David, before we send our weird things robot off to you, we want to make sure that you really, you know – serious about this in, in, you know, updates, treat, treat it seriously. And if we get a lot of responses, a lot of this, We'll figure out a way to get a couple of them. Whatever. Yeah, we'll, this is we'll... this
2: is the closest to weird things going on tour that you're likely to get. Is is uh, we'll send you around uh, the mic so that you can jump up and sing your karaoke version no, of. No, so,
0: I mean, this is the, you know we, we just want to foster this sense of exploration and and that's David. Listen, we have laid a great foundation of what Open ROV is and the story that that brought you to it. But let's get down to brass tacks. We have, as we've explained, this crowd sourced asking for people's stories, uh situation we're going to at least send one out into the world. You've been in this game for a little bit. What advice do you have for us at this stage and everybody uh out there? Yeah, you had some great research tip. Is there anything else that we need to know going forward?
3: Are you, are you asking me? Yeah. Okay, so what what the the other thing I would say is the Best part about this, and, and we were down in we were up in Lake Tahoe looking for the wreck of the SS Tahoe. Of course, and what we did. Course. Was we rented this big um, cabin because it was off season in Tahoe? So we got. I, I just really want cool to see your eye things. cow, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's funny. We no, we and it, and we think it's amazing. It's not like this is normal to us. We are always elbowing each other, going, "What? Are, what's going on?" But the thing is, um, is so we were up in Lake Tahoe, and you know, we put the uh, the expedition. On, it was a Google Hangout, so this is something that you know not only can we can we read about, but we can explore the potential for actually maybe even doing another podcast from you know either from there or actually following along in real time while we're looking. So there, there's a the potential for that as well
1: absolutely we've we've done a few expeditions for weird things you know chasing down raccoons and then <laughs> rockets and so we love that idea and that's the thing we love we would very very much would love to be able to be a part of and for weird things stuff as we have an audience would love to see this and and it's it's the spirit of adventure like like you know we want to know like did you find the gold but we don't care if what the outcome was. We just want to know I mean, look, what look, the outcome if,
2: was. If, if sci-fi can make a mint uh, with ghost hunters, you know, genuinely almost seeing a ghost every week, uh, then, then it seems like you could, uh, you know, with genuine undersea explorations, with actual buried treasure, with actual sunken ships, uh, it just seems like you guys – I'm so excited to watch your journey for the, for the next uh, so, uh, 10 years. So at some point, Eric and I
3: had – we had just turned into a company. Because we were, ma- we were making, we were selling things and we were sending these things out. So we had to start a company. And w- when we did that, we, we really, we promised ourselves that we would, uh, that our goal would be to maximize return on adventure.
4: Return and so that's something adventure. we really stuck to is like, Love
3: not it. just for us, but for anybody who comes near the project. I mean, somebody who buys an open ROV, somebody who just is on open Explorer, you know, anyone who invests in this, that they know that, you know, yeah, we're not going to like lose a bunch of money, but we're our goal is to is to really maximize maximize adventure and, and make the world more interesting
2: Man, that's such a good way to put it because essentially what you're doing is you're selling the same promise of of excitement that when you get a um, uh, like a metal detector, it's like you know that thing goes off, it goes woo woo woo, and you're like it could be anything, it could be gold doubloons, it could be this old washer here, you know. It's like it doesn't matter. There's something magical about that uh, that sense of like I am personally, possibly at any given moment, on the cusp of a great discovery all right uh do we want to do we want to uh, loop david in um on on our picks talk yeah you, you want to explain think, what we do I think,
1: I think uh we're gonna be having david on here again <laughs> yeah. so right. better 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 we break him in all the way in on this than you know in dribbles so david what we do now is we do a section where we make picks recommendations things that we thought were cool that you know people should check out and uh can be anything. It can be films. It can be movies, as I say, looking at my phone to see what I've been reading and looking at lately. I'll, I'll
2: go first. I'll go first because I actually do want to talk about this. And this is something I'll talk again on uh, court. Oh, and tonight. like
1: I don't, Brian? <laughs> um, uh,
2: my pick is the entire uh, Legend of Korra series uh, right now. I watched all of season four over the last two days with my 10-year-old daughter and 7-year-old daughter. And um, – uh, it, it's it's interesting because you've heard me plug before uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, ostensibly a show for children, uh, does some of the best world building that I've ever seen in a, in a cartoon. It's complete. Uh, the original Avatar The Last Airbender series is three seasons, all of one story that has a very complete beginning, middle, and end arc and a transformative journey for the main character. Um, Korra is a little bit different in that every season has been just completely different from the one that came before it. And it occurred to me as I was trying to explain it uh to people on Twitter today that Avatar the Last Airbounder is really a single novel, whereas Korra is more like a comic book. Whereas in a single novel you have, you know, three seasons to get from the beginning, middle, and end. Uh Korra is these ten episode arcs where it's like now this is the bad guy to face. Now, here's the crazy sideways, you know, almost science fiction universe that you're experiencing and so on. Uh it's really really good and uh and they also did uh something kind of quirky at the end that that hinted in so far as a a kids cartoon could do so that uh oh yeah, by the way, maybe Cora was a lesbian the entire time. Uh and uh it, it was it was really an interesting kind of sideways uh, not like a big deal. It did not affect the story in any way. It was just a bit of an eye, eyebrow raising end scene uh, to the fourth season. Uh, that I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was really really good.
1: I'll give you a pick, and it's sort of a an example, and then I'm going to explain the story behind it. So, last episode we mentioned Justin Robert Young's new version of "Go Home Santa, You're Drunk." Yeah, his hilarious ebook, along with the new audio recording he has, including news stories. And we talked about it and then um we're talking about like website stuff like that. I thought, you know what, it'd be fun to create a website for it. And right after the podcast, I pulled out a tool that I'll explain in a second and created a website and I'll explain how we did it using using this. So if you go to itricks.com or is, does go home Santa link. Yeah, to it go now? go home
2: Santa Gohomesanta.com. Santa.
1: to the new version. Yeah. So go to gohomesanta.com and what that takes you to is the website that you know was just it took me Maybe, you know, under an hour to whip this thing together because I could just take the assets that were already there on the website, drop them into this program that I used for this. I took uh, the, the wonderful illustration by Carter Johnson, Scott Johnson's kid, and used the Santa, put the Santa in there. All the animation, all that stuff, I don't know much about JavaScript or HTML or FIP or any of these other things. What I know is there's an application I absolutely love called Hype. And it's by a company called Tumult, which is T-U-M-U-L-T dot com. And I, you know, how would I describe it? It's It basically creates HTML5 animations and websites. It's drag and drop. The tutorials are very, very easy to figure out how to get this thing working. You can create stuff that scales across. It shows you you know, where you want to do it. I think it's the easiest thing I've ever found for doing kind of cool, complex websites. They don't have to move. You don't have to do that. You can create this thing and never touch a piece of code. I've been working on another project, which I'll get into later, where I've been creating web apps, outputting them into something for Adobe has called PhoneGap and making web, making actual applications on my iPhone using Tumult to do this. Okay are using Hype by Tumult. So I really, really recommend you take a look at that. Go to T-U-M-U-L-T.com, Tumult. They have a new version coming out, which will be an add-on to the existing one, which has got pro features, which is fantastic. It is absolutely incredible. I've been doing some beta testing on that. Really, 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 really love it. And uh, an important part of being able to communicate, what, what's, helped, what's helped David and Eric communicate their story is they have fantastic websites. They have a great story. You go to, go to OpenROV.com. They have a video that plays, a beautiful video that tells a story. You get exactly what they're doing. You go to OpenExplorer.com. You understand what's going on. That is an important, important thing, important skill to have to be able to get your ideas across. Most of the people listening to this podcast are creative. We're all creatives, and part of what we have to do is communicate. And sometimes different mediums frighten us, web stuff frightens us but everybody who can listen to a podcast or download it is capable of taking an application like hype and creating a website and using it to tell something just a little bit better a little bit nicer like i said you know the the santa website we made that's simple that was dirt dumb that was created in no time and it just has a little fun animation to it etc so i highly highly recommend it and you can it doesn't have to just be websites it can be apps be whatever so that is hype by tumult it's my pick
2: right on
0: uh, so uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but, uh, there was a real, uh, kerfuffle this week. Uh, what with, uh, the, the movie, the interview with James Franco and Seth Rogen and, uh, it got pulled and it made me think of, uh, another movie that dealt with, uh, Oh, sorry. Uh,
2: <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to plug Night attack three. <laughs> I already had to load it up. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> no. Night attack three available
0: all right go ahead uh team america i bought team america and i'm glad i did because if there's uh for whatever uh this this controversy is that movie's amazing
1: yeah i i it's that i like the tigers you know which are the cats just all of that stuff oh, i'm no, so I, wrong no, right, right.
0: <laughs> it's so it's so 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 good and uh you know if 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 for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a bummer. There's a lot of bummers surrounding that whole situation. But if more people watch Team America this week than they would have otherwise, then uh, there is a silver
2: lining to all of it. It's awesome. What about you, David? What are you watching these hey, days? David.
3: You know, so this is actually interesting timing. So I, before you guys called, I was sitting here reading, reading this book I just got. It's called The Dobsonian Telescope.
2: I have a Dobsonian uh, Telescope. It's amazing.
3: Yeah, I was just sitting right here, so I think I'll talk about that because I was just in the first chapter, um, but it goes through like the history of amateur telescope builders. That's what the first chapter is. The rest of it is actually how to build uh, one of these Dobsonian telescopes. And the story of, of, I don't know how much you guys know about this, but John Dobson um, used to be a Venetian monk. He actually passed away last year actually this year he passed away he was a, almost 100 what? what and he was a venetian monk and in the 60s he 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 was tasked with uh trying to reconcile the uh the church the church's understanding with um the like the heavens and so he started building his own telescopes became obsessed with telescope building and dropped out of the the monastery and just basically lived on the streets and built telescopes and he and he stood on he stood on the corners, uh, street corners of San Francisco for 30, 40 years. He started the Sidewalk Astronomers Group and just invited people to look at the stars. And his design was revolutionary. I mean, it, the Dobsonian telescope allowed amateurs to see into all of these deeper catalogs. And now, you know, this this is an example of uh, a science that has really done a great job of incorporating amateurs. And now, you know, astronomy is one of those things where amateurs make as many discoveries as professionals do and a lot of that can be credited to the work that John Dobson did he never patented this design he always showed people how to build it and he just released it into the world and so he's one of my big heroes um, and uh, I think like uh, its you know we're at this point where you you can make anything now there's 3d printers and access to maker spaces and doing all these things and I hope more people realize that that there's this opportunity to build these low-cost science tools and if you're looking for a good example and a hero, uh Dobson is it and this book is really extensive.
2: I had no idea that, that that he actually was on the street inviting people to, you know, see that because one of my, my big entry into amateur astronomy was there's a neighbor like five houses up the road. We were literally just walking out to check the mail late at night and uh and Bonnie and I walked up and this guy was like, Hey, so you wanna see Jupiter? And I was like, Bleh. he had a Dobsonian telescope. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm seeing Jupiter and the moons. And this is amazing. And um, uh, later, my brother, uh, after like five years of not getting any gifts, just decided to cash in all those chips at once. It got me a really nice eight inch Do- Dobsonian uh, telescope that has it's it's how we watch the Venus transit. It's how we uh, you know, I've been able to take photos with my iPhone by holding it up to the eyepiece. Um it has been the most transformative experience I've had in astronomy, and uh, that's amazing. I didn't realize that that was such a recent development. That's oh, and
3: go ahead. I mean, he, you should read about John Dobson. There's a documentary called "The The Sidewalk Astronomer." The, the guy lived an incredible life. I, I've sent
1: document. Brian a link to, and one of our heroes is Johnny Carson. By the way, because Johnny Carson was a Underwrote a program for me to go into schools and use magic to teach critical thinking. He had he had Dobson on The Tonight Show twice because that's the kind of guy Johnny Carson was. So we've got a clip here of Dobson on The Tonight Show, which—
2: all right, here, uh, let, me, just... let, me, let me get that loaded. I'm sorry. We're, no, no, we're no. Missing. So
1: that's, that's a wonderful, and that's obviously I could see the, the, some sort of parallel between you and him. I can't quite figure out what you and Eric have done that might relate to right? know, Dobson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like uh, if everything
2: could uh, dovetail even more neatly into our experience here. Of course it takes uh, back here's Dobson the on the tonight ...to
4: tend to the exponential power of when they can go back that far in time, but they can't go back any further than that, right? That's right. But I have a button. You have a button? What is this? It says, the Big Bang is the thing of the past. <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't astronomy a great deal like ar- archaeology, if you think about it? You're looking into the past. Yes. Well, you can't see anything now. You can't right. see your fingernails now. You see everything. Now, there's a very curious thing about this universe. Whatever you look at, you see it in the past. If you look at the moon, you see it one and one-third seconds ago, the sun eight and a half minutes ago, the bright star series eight and a half years ago, your fingernails also a little while ago. Everything you see in the past, you can't see anything when it happened, Because it's already transpired. Yeah. Now the in other words, if somebody thing, walks into the room back there, this person over here would see him before I would. Actually, wouldn't he? Well, you can put it that way, but... Uh, but Isn't that what you're, you're saying in ca- a way? Yes, but it's much more interesting than that. You see, everybody... he <laughs> <laughs> okay. just bitch slapped. That was, uh, not, that was just my first shot at it, John. I have I more interesting things. That was just my first lunge. If you, if you look at this problem from yeah. Einstein's equations, from right. the standpoint of Einstein's equations, the separation between you and what you see is always zero. You see things away from you in space right. by the trick of seeing backwards in time. Right. You see the sun eight and a half light minutes away by the trick of seeing eight and a half minutes ago, but the ago comes in squared with a minus sign, and the away comes in squared with a plus sign. See I was gonna follow up and not just exactly that way. <laughs> like you didn't get a <laughs> shot at we'll have to take a break, we're coming right back.
2: <laughs> Holy cow, that's amazing, dude. That's great,
1: he was an incredible human what a what a in that what a what a beautiful thing to take a complex thing and to make it accessible to everybody else and that's that's one of the things that we why we champion things like SpaceX and other things is the idea that it shouldn't just be one group or one party or one you know bureaucracy that has the ability to do this, or you have to have a certain number of letters behind your name given to you by an institution to be able to jump into your curiosity and what you and you and Eric have done has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're excited about, you know, getting this out in the hands of, of our, our weird, our weird friends. We're also excited about getting this in the hands of high school kids and kids who never really made the connection between what was in their textbook and what was in the water several miles away. And when they see that and experience that, you know, Florida produces more people into, like, you know, marine – the marine sciences like any other state because we're lucky to have, like, lived so close to it and around it. But now that some kid in the middle of nowhere can have access to this sort of I mean, state, I, it's I, amazing.
2: I, I, isn't that one of the weird aspects of – um you know, if, if I was talking to Justin and uh, I was saying, like, holy crap, we were all born at just the right time in that we're all young enough that 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 we could remember – Um, You know, punch cards and and floppy five and a quarter floppy disks. And yet here we are with the whole world turned upside down. Uh, Yep. I've decided we're the winners of the born at the right time generation award. And Justin said, uh, yes, just like the 12 generations before us. You know, it's like we're continuing to hold that belt. Um it, it's it's astonishing that we live in a world where the millennial generation is growing up just expecting that yeah, of course they could do anything. Of course they could solve any mystery, of course they can get to the bottom of any, you know, uh, lost gold in the bottom of a yeah, lake. You're
1: you're you're down the street from people building satellites.
2: Yes, and- yes. And, and weather balloons. And, yeah, we and, want to do
1: a high-altitude weather balloon project, too, by the way. So and we'll open talk.
2: ROVs and and space stuff. I mean, it's like uh, we, we, we live in a Montessori universe now, which is utterly delightful to me. And uh, in, in, in that
1: regard, David, uh, thank you for contributing to making uh, all of these wonderful delusions possible. We, we've held you long enough. We're going to go ahead and end the show now. I'm just going to say it's been weird.